0: Today's episode is sponsored by you and others like you who have pledged a flexible monthly donation through the Urban Achiever Patreon page. Please consider becoming a contributor by visiting patreon.com slash urbanachiever. And thank you for your support. What's up, Achievers? It's me, your host and friend, Billy Power. Welcome to the show. Hey, I have an important announcement uh, I want to tell you guys about really quick at the top of the episode here. On Friday, March 4th in Seattle, Washington, at the High Dive in Fremont, my former Blenderhead bandmates, Matt, Ed, Paul, Tyler and myself will be performing four Foo Fighters songs as part of a 40th birthday party for Tyler. Uh, There's going to be a bunch of great bands playing and all the proceeds go to an awesome local charity called Clothes for Kids. I will have a link to the Facebook event and tickets in the show notes. I have not been back to Seattle uh, since I moved away in 2003. Uh, So please come out for a great night of music and fun. Uh, It's going to make a difference. It's going to be a cool night. I'll see you there. My guest this week is somebody who is full of positivity. According to her Facebook page, she is a musician, an artist, a minister, and hugger. I've seen her perform several times opening for the Dropkick Murphys with the band. She plays accordion and does backing vocals in, the Mahones. She is always full of energy and smiles for everybody in the room. And like every other Canadian I've met, she is a delightful human being. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to introduce to you Katie Kaboom McConnell
1: Just give me one more night Back Shakespeare Road Drinking Irish whiskey In that dirty shithole Give me one more night Back Shakespeare
0: Road Love those rare old times With my heart and soul Love those rare old times With my heart and soul 80.
1: Hi. How
0: are you? Good. How are you?
2: I'm doing very well, thanks.
0: Can you hear me? Okay.
2: I can hear you just fine.
0: All right. Fantastic.
2: Is the weather as awful there today as it is here?
0: <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, it's not great. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's not great here either. Everybody's uh, we've been having such a nice winter that every time it snows now, everybody panics.
0: Yeah, I was just telling my wife that yesterday. I said, "What? I thought these uh, Northeast uh, people are such babies about the snow." I- Oh, uh, I was like, you know, like, what is this? Your first snow? Like, come on!
2: <laughs> like, this is supposed to be Canada. And, uh, <laughs> every, every time it snows, everyone like Mayday, Mayday.
0: <laughs> yeah, she had she had an important point. She said she thinks it's just an excuse for people to say, you know, I'm going to cancel or stay home. They love it.
2: Oh, see, I'm a bum musician, so I get to cancel and stay home anyway.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. maybe that's why i don't understand it people don't expect me to be places right but that could be why okay <laughs> never mind now i understand
0: <laughs> well katie uh thank you for coming on today
2: thanks for having me
0: yeah i ne- we're strangers so it's a little odd but um we'll be fine i think
2: strangers are just friends you haven't met
0: Right, exactly. Um, I'm always telling my friend, uh, Joel, who lives in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, that uh, Canada, to me, as an outsider, just seems like sort of as close uh, this side that we can get to uh, the promised land, really. It's just it seems like the land of endless vacations and uh, free long distance.
2: Well, yeah, it's true. I mean, I think I'm one of those few people left that still has a landline. And uh, every time I try to get rid of it, they they give me free things. They're like, no, no, no! You can call anywhere you'd like for free. Just keep your phone. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah.
2: and uh no Canada's great. Uh, it was really bad for a while. We had a really bad prime minister for uh almost ten years, and
0: uh finally got rid of that guy recently, yeah
2: yeah, now he's gone, and not only is our new prime minister great like he's uh he's launched inquiries into all of the missing Aboriginal women and he's welcomed tons of syrian refugees um, he's appointed uh, just as many female council members as male council members, but he's also a <laughs> adorable. Like, he's just cute as a button. Yeah. Which I know is really, really shallow, but Yeah, adorable. it doesn't hurt,
0: you know, if your prime minister's uh, cute. Look
2: at that little face. <laughs> (laughs)
0: Then if he has to deliver uh, some maybe sour or unwelcome news, it's a little easier to go down, right? Like a little spoon of sugar or something, right? (laughs) I don't know how to tell you all this. We're broke. Oh, isn't he cute? Yeah, we're broke. It's okay.
2: (laughs) Well, you can raise my taxes. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, I know that's incredibly shallow, but. (laughs)
0: I think it makes a lot of sense. I know. (laughs) So tell me, uh, what area of the country are you from? Like, where do you come from?
2: I live in Toronto. I was born and raised in Toronto, so we're actually that uh, part of Canada that the rest of Canada generally hates, Uh, not only because we think we're the centre of the world, but because uh, we get that lake effect, so we're a bit warmer than the rest of Canada. Uh, Uh, Oh. It's quite well other than Vancouver, so it's quite nice. And uh, other than that, uh, we lived in Montreal for a few years, which is quite cold, but otherwise really nice, and there are a lot of great punk bands out of Montreal, like the Brains, And uh, the Irish Nails and Stomp Records, which is uh, sort of the core of Canadian punk. It's like the Mm -hmm. beat of Canadian punk. Uh, And yeah, but we're, we're back in Toronto now.
0: Now, when you were a kid coming up, like, what was your uh, like? How did you get involved in music? Like, at a young, like, was it at a young age? Later in life,
2: I think I got my first Rancid CD when I was twelve, and that was it for Mm -hmm. me—the beacon of Tim Armstrong, the god that is Tim Armstrong—and that was it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, I got into uh, sort of New York hardcore. And then, like, Cali Punk at a really young age. And then, like, at the other end of the spectrum, like, Seattle Grunge. Because mm-hmm. my brother and my, my best bud, Pa, Kuzo, who was the bass player for the Mahones for quite a while, mm-hmm. they were into that. So, uh, you know, I got into it really, really early. And uh, I was all about social distortion and rancid and bad religion. And then uh, against me and agnostic front and sick of it all. Mm-hmm. Those, were, those were my big go-tos. And then I also loved Pearl Jam. Which is not at all like those other
0: things. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing Pearl Jam at this famous show they played called Drop in the Park. It was like a free thank you to the fans uh, kind of show uh, where uh, he uh, famously Eddie Vedder famously like climbed the lighting rig. Yeah,
1: scaffolding.
0: And was uh, hanging from the top of the stage there. And I've been to a lot of punk shows uh, and have yet to see something that crazy uh, rivaled.
2: I've seen Mike McPulgan from Street Dogs do that a couple times. Yeah, but he's a climber. He climbs stuff. Yeah.
0: It's way up there. I was like, he's—he may not make it out alive out of this thing. It's very nervous.
2: <laughs> oh, hold on, bud. <laughs> And then on the flip side, my parents were musical actors um, back before they had kids and realized that poverty sucks. Right. And so, like, we also like show tunes and you know Bing Crosby.
0: Like in musicals, like community theater or what?
2: Um, They owned a theater in Montreal back when my sister, I guess, was really little. And so um, Mm -hmm. it's like classic Gershwin musicals and stuff like that. My dad is right out of the 1940s. Oh, wow to look at him. And uh so <laughs> like still breaks into Bing Crosby while drive while driving and uh, so we sort yes. of had a like a really eclectic childhood. We were weird kids and uh my mom was talking about that the other day. Like most kids, you know, singing pop songs when they were little and we were singing Gershwin and <laughs> Gershwin. Yes. Yeah. <Nice>. yeah. <laughs> We were we were pretty weird kids.
0: Yeah. Now uh, you have a couple brothers also.
2: I have a brother and a sister, both older.
0: Okay. Yeah. Now were they instrumental in in turning you on to the music, or like how did, how were they part of the rancid thing, or was that something different?
2: Um, no, they they weren't big into punk, but they were mm-hmm. definitely uh, definitely big into getting me into music. My sister is uh, a tremendous singer. And uh, she was big into musical theater, and, uh, and she was big into, like, you too. My sister is, was definitely the first punk I ever met in terms of, like, she's a, a really uh, well-known social activist. Um, mm-hmm. She's been, like, all over the world uh, fighting for human rights and civil rights. And wow. she's just finishing her PhD right now in feminist theory and the uh, reproductive rights of migrant women in the UK. Mm-hmm. So the way that I see punk and, like... She she was definitely the first punk I ever met. When we were teenagers we had a little comic strip called Joe Strummer, Nazi zombie killer, something <laughs> <which is, like, laughs> we put together.
0: Joe Strummer, Nazi zombie killer.
2: Oh yeah. It was awesome. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: That's great.
2: Um, but she, uh, she was definitely the first punk I ever met in that, like, she was the first person to sort of teach me, like, you do not have to accept mainstream culture the way it is. And like, you do not have to accept that you are a lesser individual because you are a woman or that people are lesser individuals because they're immigrants or, you know, and sort of taught me that it's, it, it, you know, to defend the people around you and make sure that everybody's treated equally equally, and uh she's sort of dedicated her entire life to that and she's married with a, a young daughter whom she's raising uh, in that way as well and she's my hero she's outstanding and my brother uh, is an amazing songwriter and guitar player and has uh, he was in a band he was always in bands when I was a teenager and he was mm-hmm. in a band with uh, our, our former bass player Paul who unfortunately passed away um, and I used to hang out in the jam space as a teenager and sort of listen to them play songs and it was uh it was great and he got me into all kinds of bands too so they were they were definitely a huge part of my musical formation Mm -hmm. and uh it was i still talk to them every single day we're we're very very close and uh they still sort of call me on like if i if i write something i will send it to my brother and he has no problems (laughs) being like no that's that's really terrible.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that's a great relationship to have. You, you need to have that kind of relationship with someone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and, and also that level of trust to where it's not going to, uh, you know, devastate you.
2: Oh, absolutely. I- yeah. You need somebody to say, hey, man, you really suck. You shouldn't do
0: that. <laughs> you should rethink this, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> That's cool. This sucks. <laughs> now, do you remember like the first like show that you ever went to?
2: Oh, I don't really. Um, it was probably Blue Rodeo. Blue Rodeo is a Canadian band. That's awesome. And my uncle's mm-hmm. in that band. And uh, so it was probably a Blue Rodeo show, I think. Uh, I remember going to see Bad Religion opening for Blink-182, and that just is not an okay sentence in my mind. Uh,
0: <laughs> Why but, is that not okay to you?
2: I don't know. I just think Bad Religion, like Greg Graffin, is like the best ever like <laughs> yeah. in the world. I mean, that man's lyrics are outstanding. Every time I've met Greg Graffin twice, and both times I've met him, I've just been such an idiot. I can't even <laughs> speak in front of him because he's just so intimidating because he's so unbelievably intelligent. Right. And both times I've met him, I've just frozen. So he'll say, hi, nice to meet you. And I'll just stare at him (laughs) and make him uncomfortable until he has to go away. And he's so gracious about it. Um, so both times I've met him, I've just stared awkwardly at him. But uh, I just, I just wish that they were, you know, they should be selling out arenas. There, he's he's such an influential person, and everything he has to say is so incredibly important. And mm-hmm. I, I just think that they should be headlining huge tours like that. Yeah. But uh, I think that was one of my first shows, as, far as I can. Cool. cool. Yeah, we opened for them in Italy this summer. Yeah. And. Once again, same thing, and we were hanging out with the band, and such kind people, Mm -hmm. like all really, really nice, again, very gracious people, and uh, very grounded, very sweet, and then Greg Graffin walks by, and I just stare at him with my (laughs) mouth open, and he's like, hi, how's it going? And I just, (laughs) hi. Katie I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hello sir Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, no I wish I wish I had said hello sir I just stood there Yeah. The yep. again.
0: <laughs> sure Yeah. <laughs> that's cool how did you like were you playing instruments when you were little when your parents were doing musical theater and that kind of stuff like how did you end up playing
2: uh, we took classical piano when we were little
0: so that's okay.
2: pretty well the accordion just sideways yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh That's how I I guess I sort of had the basis for the accordion Mm with classical piano.
0: All right, cool. I played classical piano too, actually. Oh, cool. Um, Playing the little, uh, those little tan books with all the musical. uh, Yeah,
1: uh, yeah.
0: Clementi, I used to play all the time. Was the one that I liked, but.
2: (laughs) I remember those.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you were playing piano and uh, you took lessons then. When, like, when did you decide, hey, I'm going to pick up an accordion because it's sort of a non-traditional punk instrument for sure, right?
2: Well, that actually was Finney's idea. I was working corporate at that point. I'd been in uh, pension and benefit mm-hmm. for quite some time, which was by no means oh a dream uh, <laughs> career. But uh, <laughs> I enjoyed it. And at the time, I was actually working for a media company in Toronto. And Finney's accordion... still plays with the Mahones, Michael Grady, our tin whistle player. Mm -hmm. Um, He was playing accordion with the band at the time. And uh, Finney had set up a a different tour for him to go sort of lead his own band doing this cool project. Mm -hmm. And he asked me if I'd be interested in playing accordion with the Mahones, and I thought he was just nuts. (laughs) And uh, here I am. He's a persuasive guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And this is at a time when nobody was really, this is long before, like all these kind of there's like set, you know half a dozen or more popular Irish melding Irish traditional folk music and punk and I mean aside from the Pogues this is very early on right?
2: Oh I joined the Mahones eight years ago
0: Right but when they started they were one of the first for sure right?
2: Oh yeah when the Mahones started they were definitely one of the first uh, the, they started in 1990 so mm-hmm. they, they were definitely along before the, the, the other guys today yep. but I mean I was a huge fan of Foggy Molly and Dropkick Murphys before I met Finney before I joined the Mahones before any of that gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. but no I, I started playing because Finny suggested it and I huh. thought he was crazy I was like I have a job I'm not quitting my job I'm not playing accordion what are you nuts
1: <laughs> here I am he just wanted
0: you around more that's what, what I would think right
2: well he used to go on tour and I would miss him so much and I would be so heartbroken and um, this really has been just such an adventure and so wonderful and I can't believe this is my life and the friends I've made and the places I've been and the things I've seen it's, it's just been such an adventure and I'm so grateful and it's really a dream come true
0: now for the people who are listening that don't know Finn is the singer guitarist uh, in the Mahones is your husband yeah and uh, how, how did you guys meet?
2: we were at a bar in Toronto called the Bovine Sex Club mm-hmm. which despite the name has nothing to do with cows or sex it's just a really <laughs> famous punk club yep We both hung out there. We had never met. But one night I was uh, in the back room having a cigarette back when such things were legal. Right. And I felt a sharp, just like sharp pain in my leg. And uh, his cousin Rory had bit me in the leg. And that's how we met. (laughs) What? I kid you not. Yeah. Yeah. His cousin Rory came up to me and bit me in the leg. I was like 19, too. Wow. And his wow. cousin Rory was in his 40s. <laughs> he came up to me and bit me in the leg in a bar. And Vinny was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and that's how we met.
0: An apology for a bite. That's, that's uh, right.
2: the so that's, that a, works. <laughs> that's
0: a singular uh, story I've, up to this point, not become be, uh, acquainted with. So, thank you. Uh, for well,
2: that. that's the song Drunk and Lazy Bastard is about Rory.
0: Nice. And uh, it's
2: actually a wonderful guy. I promise you. Like, that, that story makes him sound awful. He really is a wonderful, wonderful man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was just really drunk that day. And no, I'm not excusing that. It was. Uh, Just an odd situation.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Now, um, have you given up smoking since then?
2: Yes, I've given up everything since then. (laughs) Right. Uh, That was post. Sorry, that was sort of before my drinking really came into its own. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I've I've quit since quit smoking, drinking, everything.
0: Yeah, tell me about the whole drinking thing. Like, how did that? what, What happened with that?
2: When you join a band, everybody. Gives you alcohol for free,
0: yeah, and <laughs> tickets, some tickets in lieu of compensation, right? Usually, <laughs> the
1: problem with being
2: Irish is that
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: you can outdrink everybody in the room. Like I've been on tours with, like I'm the only woman on a 25 or 50 man tour, and I'm drinking everyone under the table, you know. And yeah, it's uh, it's not a good thing, and it runs in my fa- alcoholism runs in my family, and I just got to a point where it wasn't fun anymore, but I um, I still wasn't stopping. So uh, I quit on September 29th, 2012. Wow. So it's uh, three years plus now. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful for it. I love I love not drinking, believe yeah. it or not.
0: No, I do believe it. I, I quit about a year ago.
2: Hey, way to go. Congratulations. Say hey, a, year, a year's a big deal. That first year is the hardest. If you can get through that first year, you can get through anything.
0: It's amazing how many social constructs revolve around grabbing a beer with a friend who's coming from out of town.
2: <laughs> I, I know you have to. You really have to re program your mind and it's people don't realize it and the worst too is that your friends have to sort of reprogram or your friends think they have to reprogram and the worst is when your friends are like i guess we could go to the movies or something <laughs> coffee <laughs> <You know>? that's <laughs> usually
1: yeah coffee
2: <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. You guys can still drink. i just can't <laughs> yeah.
1: um
2: but as you go on, it gets so much easier and easier, and now it's great. Yeah. Like now, now it's super easy. Now I don't even I don't even think about it anymore. Like it's just become completely. It it doesn't even occur to me anymore to drink. I do I don't want to, and the things I get done, my God, <laughs> it's, it's, it's unbelievable. like yeah. it's, I painted my bedroom on Sunday because I felt like it. Yeah. So I woke up, painted my bedroom. Nice. I got it done. <laughs> like you know, before on a Sunday, I if I was lucky, I'd be up at three. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, so it's uh no, it's great. I love I love the way things are now.
0: Did you go through like a program or any of that kind of stuff, or did you I just? Did. Cold, you I did. I did. I
2: went through AA because mm-hmm. um, I tried to quit on my own several times and just made it way worse. Really? <laughs> <Troll members. laughs> yeah. Because what I would do is I would um I would like I would tell myself I was quitting, and so then I would stay sober for anything from like a day to like three weeks to like a couple months, mm-hmm. and then I would reward myself for staying sober for that long or I'd be like I don't have a problem right I I just didn't drink for three months clearly I'm fine and then I'd like go on like a week-long binge oh wow (laughs) well you know or like not like a week-long binge but like I would get really drunk because you know I hadn't hadn't drank for for a long period of time so uh then I would make it way way worse and uh so I, I repeated that pattern for a while but my biggest problem, and like people didn't know, because I I was really good at hiding it, mm-hmm. um, and I was high. I was still pretty highly functioning. Right. But my biggest problem was I I was really tormented by it. It really depressed me and uh i didn't i uh i didn't want to be that way anymore so i finally one day just uh had had it and i went to aa and on my at my first meeting i met a man who lived on the other side of the country who just happened to be there to break things off with his boyfriend and uh he became my very godfather wow took care of me and uh yeah and since that first day everything has been fine well everything's been wonderful
0: actually that's awesome
2: and now I, i got accepted to do um Uh, addictions counseling at a university here in in Ontario Oh to help people out.
1: And I always encourage
2: people to on Facebook, like if you're having a hard time, send me a message. Yeah. Because we're all in this together, you know, nobody needs to suffer alone. And uh, I wish when I had been having a hard time that there had been more people to talk to Yeah. because I was so ashamed and I felt like so like just like an outcast and I felt like I was being judged and I just felt so terrible and um, I don't want anyone to ever feel that way. Like if you're having a shitty time or you feel depressed or you feel dark, just write me a message. I've been there. You know, there's there's a way out.
0: Yeah. And I think that people that don't struggle with addiction, I'm not really, I don't, I didn't have to go through that kind of thing. I just quit cold turkey and was pretty much done. Although I do have some of that history also. So it make, made me nervous <laughs> to not, you <laughs> know, go down that
1: path.
0: but, um, but I, I feel like people that don't have that are not, Empathetic with the fact that for some people, they just associate it with fun and celebration and whatever. <laughs> they, they don't understand that this like ruins people's lives, that they have these kind of struggles. So they don't, it's tough for them to empathize and understand that, you know, like, hey, this isn't associated with good things for me, you know, like it is for yeah, you. Yeah. Well,
2: I mean, again, it, it runs in my family. So I've seen it like, I've seen some people go through some bad stuff. And I was pretty lucky. I mean, I, I got out fairly unscathed compared to some people that I know and love and compared to some people that I knew and loved. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, no, it, it can be awful. And then like, there's some people like Sydney, like Cindy can have a pint of Guinness and then he's like, no, I don't want anymore. I'm like,
1: what are you doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's
0: not how you have fun." <laughs> That's not how this works. You go until you can't go anymore. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> like, you're supposed
1: to
2: have the case. <laughs> and like, I, so it's, it, like it boggles my mind how people can have a sip of a drink. I'm like what? <laughs> yeah.
0: Does he keep it around the house? Is that like a pro? Like the...
2: no. It's it's all at, like an elaborate ruse. He doesn't even drink at home. <laughs> <I> gotcha. <Okay.
1: laughs>
2: Finny, we have a uh, I have a, a beautiful stepdaughter, mm-hmm. and uh, she lives with us full time. Yep. So uh, there's actually we have alcohol in the house, but it's hidden away, and Finny doesn't drink in the house. Gotcha. Yeah. We we and. Also, like, I clearly can't drink in the house. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, like, we we bring out the beer when there are guests. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, did you adopt, like, a vegan diet also? Did you go vegetarian or something?
2: I I have in the past. I did. I tried it out last month Mm -hmm. for a month because I've had some health problems lately, and I thought that um, veganism might help just in terms of balancing hormones because there's a lot of hormones in meat and dairy. Right. Uh, But it did not work. And I lost too much weight too quickly, and also cheese is delicious.
0: Yes, that's true. Yeah,
2: so. Uh, not anymore. I'm back on the, <laughs> on the dairy.
0: <laughs> I had two days with breakfast. They were <laughs> nice. <laughs> they really haven't, uh, and I'm vegetarian, uh, also for health and, and, uh, I'm getting older. So I got to take care of myself here. Yeah. But, uh, but they haven't really wired, you know, they have all these fake meats and all this stuff. And, and they've done pretty good with that stuff reasonably well, but the, the cheese is something that they really have not gotten down yet.
2: You know what? I don't even think I eat that much cheese and dairy. Like I, I don't think it's too too much. It's um it's mostly for me it's the baked goods, it's the pastries. Yeah. That's that's where that's where it really hurts. <laughs>
0: You're Like this gluten-free bread is not cutting it.
2: Yeah, I really, I really need pastries. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, I've have seen through your, um, you know, in these weird uh, age where we don't really know people, and we learn all that we can learn from their Instagram accounts and other things. Yeah. I've I've seen uh, a lot of painting and uh, that you've been doing. Tell me, tell me where the love of painting has come from. Is that like a recent thing for you? Have you always done art type stuff like that or what? No, that
2: was uh, that also sort of started with uh, sobriety. I Yes, um, sort of about... That started in 2014. One day, I said, hey, I'm, I'm going to paint something <laughs> like out of nowhere. Um, and I had never taken art, like not since, you know, those mandatory art classes in elementary school.
1: Mm-hmm. But,
2: uh, I think it's sort of a natural part of... Uh, sobriety and recovery is that like when you're so used to being destructive with your hands, yeah. it's kind of to be productive with your hands and to see something productive created. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I just love it. It's so much fun and to, to paint things and, and make pretty things. So I, I just started doing it and uh, Finney and my friends and my family were so, so supportive. And again, my family are like pretty cynical Irish people. Like i love <laughs> them. Dearly, yeah, we're really close, but like if I do something and it's shit. They will tell me.
0: Like, they will be <laughs> like, like, "What are you hey. doing here?" <laughs>
2: <laughs> not that you have a day job, but if you did, don't don't quit it. <laughs> 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 uh, but even they were like, "Hey, like that, that's not bad." <laughs> yeah. So uh, I decided to pursue it, and I just. I love it. It's, uh, it's really cathartic. It's, it's lots of fun. And uh, my stepdaughter is an artist as well. So we have this, um, this tradition because she's like a dark, cynical little thing, too. It's awesome. So we
1: have this <laughs> tradition where
2: on Friday nights we watch like really uh, gory horror movies and, and paint. And it's super fun.
0: I, f- I find it hard to buy this whole dark and cynical thing. You present yourself as I. the first time I ever saw you on stage was in Nashville with the Dropkick Murphys. And all I thought was, boy, she's really happy about something. She's really oh, smiling. No, like, at the- <laughs> I'm,
2: I'm super upbeat and happy. I just mean like, you know, dark sense of humor or, right. you know, like we we enjoy disgusting, gory films and, and uh, uh, you know, inappropriate jokes nice but no no i'm a super happy person i mean how how could i not be (laughs) yeah life is
0: awesome that's cool um something i want and i think i mentioned this to you when i originally contacted you something i was curious about um at being a person of faith who basically came up in punk and you know grew up going to see the circle jerks and and all that kind of stuff um there seems to be kind of an opinion that in punk that like um faith and punk are sort of opposed, opposing ideas, maybe. And I've noticed that you have a lot of at- tattoos that are, you know, about glory to God, and they're but the grace of God go I. <laughs> and um, you posted a thing from your house that said, this is a house of living light where everything evil disappears and dies. You have a...
2: S- the an androids quote, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
2: However, after it, I have AMDG, which is the um, the slogan of the Jesuit Church, which means uh, ad Majorem de gloriam, which is everything... Uh, to the greater glory of God.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Tell me about like where your faith comes from and sort of what the genesis of that in your life has been.
2: Well, I was raised Irish Catholic, uh-huh. and uh, I am incredibly faithful, but not to the dogma of the church. Uh, I was Jesuits. Mm-hmm. My father was raised by Jesuits. My father was raised in a convent because his father died young of uh, alcoholism. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, my father was raised by Jesuits, and Jesuits are the only priests in all of Christianity that have to have a master's degree, or sorry, a, a doctorate just to enter the priesthood, so they're mm. a bunch of educated. Uh, pope Francis is the first Jesuit pope ever. Yeah. Um,
0: do you love that guy?
2: I do love him. He's got a long ways to go. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, I mean, this guy is not a revolutionary political leader. He's still a pope.
0: Yes.
1: I
2: mean, I think people expect a bit much from him. Let's face it, he's still the leader of a fairly archaic religion.
0: Definitely. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, like, but he's, uh, you know, he's, he's still he's, he's not doing too badly.
0: <laughs> I just want him as my publicist. I feel like he'd be a great publicist. If this Pope Uh-oh. thing doesn't work out, <laughs> you have a, a problem, like, a, you know, a bad uh, history is something you're trying to rework and uh, rework the image that he's your guy for sure.
2: Well, and the thing is, yeah, exactly. Like people, people are, I think, are expecting a bit much from him. Comparatively speaking, he's fabulous yeah but oh yeah comparatively, given the context of the situation he's doing a great job uh, obviously there's quite a lot that needs to be changed there's quite a lot that needs to be overhauled mm-hmm. and the entire the entire thing is is flawed the entire organization is flawed the entire organization was based and, and founded on on flawed ideals and mm-hmm. on on corruption it's it's ridiculous um, that being said like it's uh, sorry, it's it's such a loaded question. I could rant for hours. I, uh,
0: I'm not afraid of the rant.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's so many like I there's so many there's so many ways to answer it. I'm incredibly faithful, um, and I'm very content in my faith. Meaning that, like, I believe very much in in God and the and the the spiritual connectivity of of everybody. And by that, I just mean that you know every person is a manifestation of of a higher power. So basically be nice to everybody and chew with your mouth closed. Mm -hmm. And like, that's really all that matters. And, uh, beyond that, like, I mean, I could rant for hours about the, you know, the anthropological constructs of the church and what's wrong with it and how I think everybody needs to read more Risa as land books and, and (laughs) so on and so forth. And about how everything is really just a Judeo, like Judeo Christian cults and, and the offshoots and the Abrahamic religions and so on and so forth. But really, in the long run, um, I was just brought up to believe that, you know, every person you meet is a living manifestation of God. Mm -hmm. So you need to treat every single person you meet with the utmost love and respect and chew with your mouth closed
0: nice yeah yeah i'm going to uh israel next month you have any uh, suggestions on the anthropological oh my God. tip <laughs> <No
1: worries. laughs>
0: i used to ma- it's that's funny so cool. I, I used to manage a band called man alive that's one of the only punk bands from israel and yeah. uh and they're good friends of that band useless id a lot of times when punk bands come to israel they play with them the singer jamie uh, runs a studio in tel aviv and uh, he's invited us to come stay and i'm excited that's yeah, cool. yeah.
2: Are you gonna do all the tours?
0: Well, we're gonna do we're gonna do the uh, I live here, this is where you should go tours.
2: <laughs> That's gonna to be so much better. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, like I would I would love to go. I would love to go. Um, I just got a big bottle of holy water from the Jordan River mm-hmm. and <laughs> delivered. We actually, believe it or not, have a holy water font nice. at our front door so that we can bless ourselves as we leave and enter cool. the house. Yeah. And of course my fifteen year old stepdaughter, who is an atheist, is like, You guys are ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> what are you doing? I think there's like, I think that something in the modern times that's sort of been lost and and is that, and I grew up sort of like Presbyterian and and that kind of thing. Um, but I have like a very, like a huge, I have a huge collection of rosaries. I have a Mary tattoo on my okay. left forearm. And I think that like, like we go every year to St. Patrick's in New York and, and uh, try to have a quiet moment there over the holidays every year and that kind of thing. And I think that like in the modern like church and everything's so like technology and all this kind of stuff that like like there has lost kind of a respect for that, like liturgy and those types of things. And I mm-hmm. think that there's such a connectedness with those things that I appreciate, yeah.
2: you know, well, comfort in, in ritual, you know, and right. the, the idea of the blessedness of water, that sort of, that goes, there's so many different religions, like that transcends so many religions and so many, so many centuries of faith like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, even when I say, like, you know, my stepdaughter's an atheist, and that's cool. I don't care. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and I, she and I talk about that all the time. If uh, we both agree on this one great thing, which is if she's an atheist and doesn't believe in God, and if I do believe in God and I believe in an omnipotent God, mm-hmm. then it really shouldn't bother us what the other one thinks.
1: Right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so we've agreed on that. We're like, Does, doesn't it seem ridiculous to you? Like if you don't believe in God, then shouldn't you just think it's kind of sweet that I do and just pass it off? <laughs> and like, <you> know, <laughs> I, mean, shouldn't I just think it's kind of sweet that you don't and pass it off. like, Yeah. You know, it's, kind of, it's kind of silly that people fight over this, isn't it? It <laughs>
1: like,
0: is.
2: We, we've come to an agreement on this and we just
1: like, eh, why do people care?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, I think it's hard because they're constantly. Uh, all the voices out there in the ether are constantly trying to pit us against each other and convince us all that we're at war with each other. Yeah. Uh, instead of finding those things that are commonalities, which is sort of what I'm obsessed with, is uh, yeah. those themes, those things that we that uh, that we can all appreciate about each other, those things that um, I don't know. Oh, Does that make sense? There's
2: a book for you. There's a book called The Pagan Christ by Tom Harper, and it's uh, an examination of all of the commonalities of symbols across. Um, all of the faiths, including like the pagan faiths of old,
0: mm-hmm.
2: Just, uh, pick that one up. It's a pretty cool read.
0: Nice, yeah, check that out. Yeah, that sure?
2: um, yeah no, like yesterday we thought about who got the last M M&M. M. That was a valid fight.
0: <laughs> who won that fight? That's what I'm.
2: Curious. She strong armed me and won.
0: Uh, <laughs> it's like some wrestling involved. Wow. She's <laughs> sneaky,
2: <laughs> but uh, that—that's a valid fight. Existence of God, not so much.
0: That makes me you fighting, uh, and and uh, makes me think about. I recently uh, heard about how you got your nickname. You want to tell me the story of how you became t- to be known, Katie Kaboom.
2: Sean Ryan, Sean Ryan, Ryan, our bass player. Uh, he uh, he coined that one. I uh, I am I'm a pretty tall. I'm a pretty big woman. Like I'm I'm five foot ten, and mm-hmm. uh, I since birth just been uh I'm all all legs and and arms and I feel for <laughs> a lot like I'm always running into things and hurting myself and uh so after on his first tour with us, Sean Ryan just started calling me Katie Kaboom because I just constantly covered in bruises always falling down and uh yeah just really really clumsy
0: I'm amazed that you're uh, so willing to to uh, get down on your knees and to throw yourself into stuff. I would be afraid. I'm sort of clumsy, and I would be afraid that I would not pull that off.
2: Oh, it's going to happen anyway. I might as well just you know,
0: <laughs> <own it. laughs> just go get down
2: there. <laughs> yeah. Might as well own it and try to make it look planned. You know, <laughs> yeah, <it's> yeah. choreography.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So now what's the deal with, uh, like, what's the state of where you're at with the band and all that kind of stuff? You're off the road right now, and then, like, what's the plan?
2: We're off the road. I have to have some breast surgery, uh, this or next week, rather. Um, unfortunately, one thing they don't tell you about playing accordion is it really mess, messes with your mm. Uh So I'm having some, I, I unfortunately have a breast mask that I have to have removed. Um, so I have some. I have to do that. Uh, we have some huge news we're going to be announcing this week. Two big announcements. Oh, wow. I can't tell you. Sorry.
0: But, uh, <laughs> That's okay. It's coming. I'll tell everybody after. Yeah, there
2: you go. <laughs> and uh, so we have two huge announcements coming and uh, we have our St. Patrick's shows coming up in Ontario for uh, you know the Phoenix in Toronto, uh, a show in Ottawa, a show in Montreal. And um, yeah, we have shows throughout the year coming up. We have our 25th, anniversary CDs that are going to be released here
1: 25th. Wow. And,
2: uh, and yeah, so lots of stuff coming. And, uh, again, those, I think those announcements are going to be pretty exciting once they come out.
0: That's cool. Now you had, you had had a little bit of a scare with this issue that you're having the surgery with, but it ended up being benign, right?
2: Yeah. Well, the day before we left on tour, (laughs) this is, this is super fun. Um, I had a breast ultrasound and they found a huge mass in my breast and then we left on tour.
0: Ugh. Oh my gosh. Just with that, just hanging out there in the air.
2: Yeah. It's was like six weeks in Europe. I like, Jeez. um, don't know what's happening. <laughs> and, then, oh, and then I got home and they gosh. did the biopsy and it was fine. I, I suspected it was fine, but you know, no, Maybe not the best timing. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, anyway.
0: How much of a delay was there between when you they said the, that there was a mass and you actually found out you were clear?
2: Um, about eight weeks.
0: Oh my god, are you serious?
2: Well, uh, yeah. Well, because we did six weeks in in Europe, and then I had the biopsy the day we got home, and then I had to wait two weeks for the results.
0: <laughs> so. Oh. Uh, I had I had a scare like that last year and I had to wait like a week and I was like every single day it was the longest day of my life I can't imagine waiting eight weeks oh uh, <laughs> but you were okay I'm good too uh, yeah but uh, yeah no. it's just like I can't even wrap my head around waiting two months I, I just feel uh, like I know. just cut it off or whatever I can't take the anxiety no
2: well I have anxiety so like I'm highly medicated I think that helps yeah thank you just- take some pills and just like, I'm going to think about other things. (laughs) And my band is awesome. (laughs) Like they're just, they're so cool and they're so funny. And like uh, arts and whistle player, Michael Grady is maybe the funniest person in the world. Like I'm talking like, he'll have you laughing so hard. You're like, I might need to buy diapers. And (laughs) he's so funny. And like, it it, it was such a breeze getting through that tour. I just laughed the whole way home and, uh, and it was fine.
0: That's cool. Yeah. I guess the last thing I wanted to know is uh, what keeps you doing music? I know that these days, you know, there's a lot said about the difficulties of, uh, you know, being a working musician and all that kind of thing. Like, do you feel it's something you want to try to do like long into your life or?
2: Oh, we're going to be doing, Penny always says we're going to be doing this until we have long beards like the Dubliners. And I always say, yeah, "Yeah, (laughs) me too.
0: (laughs) Nice. Because I'm pretty sure it's
2: left unchecked. I could grow a pretty badass beard. I'm just saying, challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> there's got to be something I can take to make this happen. I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think there is. I think you're right.
2: <laughs> like eat a lot of beets or hummus or something. There's, there's got to be something.
0: <laughs> I know. Well, look it up. I'm, I'll send you something if I find something. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Being a musician is the best job in the world. And you know what? People say it's hard to be a working musician. It's hard to be anything. Yes. You know, there's like, I think there's, it's hard to be a musician, but it's also a dream job. I think there's, it's a lot harder to wake up every day and commute or like go to a day job. I think there's a lot more of a heroism doing that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, or or we're getting up every day and being being a mom or being a dad, you know, that's much harder. Yeah. Uh, Being a musician is a dream. I'll take that any day yeah. over over other jobs.
0: I agree. I think once you've had a straight job like that, it uh, makes you appreciative of uh, not having to do that anymore. Uh, this is super fun. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on today, Katie. Oh, it was good to get to know you and to hear a bit of your story. It was great talking to you. You too. Enjoy the rest of your day.
2: Okay, well, thanks very much. Bye.
0: Katie Kaboom, everybody. Wasn't she great? I, there must be something in the water up there in Canada. I don't know, Why are they so delightful and happy and wonderful? I don't get it. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, one of the surprise announcements from the uh, Mahones this week was that former Dropkick Murphy's bagpiper Scruffy Wallace is joining the band. Uh, he'll be recording with them in the studio and on upcoming tours. Uh, pretty cool. The band is celebrating their 25th anniversary with a new Best Of album. Uh, They will be playing a veterans benefit in June in Boston as well. And if the Mahones come to your town, I definitely suggest that you check them out. The music clip on today's episode was from Shakespeare Road by the Mahones from their 2012 album Angels and Devils. And as always, the Urban Achiever opening and closing theme music were written and performed by my pal Ethan Luck. Check out Ethan at ethanluck.bandcamp.com. You can connect with me and the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Urban Achiever PC. You can also email me anytime at at billyaturbanachievershow.com show merch is available at urbanachiever.gobigwin.com. There's also a new uh, donate button on our website at urbanachievershow.com. If you don't want to do the Patreon recurring thing, uh, you can just do a one-time donation there, and I sincerely appreciate it. All right, Achievers, that's it for me. Until next time, keep up the good work. I'm proud of you.